Okay, here we go. What do you think? What do you make out of that recording? I don't know, Corey. I'm just singing. They they sound like kinds of all kinds of people, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. And then it says arcade radio. Yeah. I call this number and it says arcade radio. Yeah, right. Does that make any sense to you? But it doesn't make any sense at all. But and and then and then this guy spoke. I don't know who he is. Yeah, yeah. But that's. But that, it, it doesn't sound like no answering machine, right? No, it, it ain't no answering machine but because does, they're not saying does, anything. What does just, guys get? I How does he make Gloria? money on this? I don't know. Whatever he's advertising in the paper, this this thing don't make no sense. Oh, he's he's advertising in the paper? In the, in the Village Voice. Really? Yeah. In the Village Voice? They got this, they got this where they, this arcade radio show. This podcast. What's a podcast? What's a podcast? Yeah, I don't understand. They they meet like every other Thursday. Every other Thursday. What kind of a show meets every other Thursday? I don't know what kind of show meets every other Thursday, Gloria. You know what I'm saying? It's just uh, I wouldn't listen to a show like that. There's things in the paper. Yes, yeah. arcade radio podcast. What's a what's a podcast? I, I, I don't know, Gloria. I don't I I don't know what to say. You see, does it make any sense? Arcade radio podcast doesn't make any sense. No, no it doesn't make any, make any sense. Money. I, I don't know. From KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Arcade Radio. What's Nibbler? What's Nibbler? What's Nibbler? What's Nibbler? What's... God, I'm sick of that question. March 16th, 2017, and the time is now approximately 8.19 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Lord John Warfen. I'm joined today by the legendary Dan Reed and Mark Timerunner Shields. And please welcome, for the first time ever on the Arcade Radio Show, husband and wife guest hosts, Tim and Tina McVeigh. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. This is Tim McVeigh. I'm the first video game player in history to score a billion points on a video game. Nice. Sweet. And we have with you your wife, Tina. Hi. Well, hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. And she's my wife. I guess that's oh. all she's got. <laughs> Hello, wife, Tina. Hi, what was that, Dan? Did you finally unmute me? Did you unmute Dan yet? <laughs> I, I can't hear him. 
Dan going to join? I'm telling Dan that I unmuted him, but he really is muted. Cool. <laughs> test, test, hello. Does anybody, we should just move on to the show. We'll probably have to skip Dan, though. You can edit him in later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Adam. And I'm joined by Time Runner, Mark. Hi, Time Runner, Mark. From MarkShields.com, TimeMachineRental.com, and UncleRicoVan.com. It is what you think it is. <laughs> it is what you think it is. <laughs> so wait a minute, I can rent a van. You can rent a van, you can throw footballs. Throw in the you you have footballs in the van? You can sell Tupperware or pots. <laughs> Sign pot's illegal, dude. Oh. <laughs> pot's illegal, dude. Not according to Patrick Stewart, who apparently does it every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's getting smarter by the minute. <coughs> Pontiac, an American car. Just changes everything for me. Patrick's. And, uh, and what about, uh, let's introduce Dan. Okay. Dan? I'm, pro- I'm protesting. <laughs> does anybody hear anything? I don't hear anything. Well, this mute bull. He must have just fallen off the face of the earth again. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> My wife's really tired if nobody's figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's infectious. The, the laughter. I like it. <laughs> it's Dan and his voice. <laughs> oh. Keep talking. Do some Barry White, Dan. Do some Barry White. We got to get it together, baby. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> well, speaking of that, let's... It's uh, the Arcade News with Don Reed. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Why do you sound like you're talking in a paper bag? <laughs> I think he's cupping his mic. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, I am your father. Now, this is a little breakdown for you. <laughs> you got some news for us, boy? <laughs> news, yes. Oh, yes, news, news. Arcade collector wanted for video game documentary $150 near the Mall of America. New Craigslist ad. This doesn't make any sense. I, uh, why, I know. Let's let's discuss this a little bit. Here's okay. the ad. Hello. We are looking for a local arcade collector to help us out. We will be in town on the weekend of March 25th, filming a short video about collecting arcade video games for an arcade museum. Does this sound familiar? <coughs> no. Well, kind of. What what games going, are they looking what's for? What's going on on March 25th? Well, yeah. Well, Billy Mitchell is going to play some Pac-Man on my Pac-Man. But I'm not supposed to brag anymore. Why? Okay. Well, Billy Mitchell is going to play Pac-Man on my Pac-Man. Apparently, he's going to give some tips on how to play the game. Hmm. Interesting. How are you going to do that? Yeah. What kind of tips? Well, you have to go to the Mall of America at 11 a.m. on March 25th to find out. Nice. To be considered, you must be willing to appear on video letting us film your game and anything you'd like to share with us about its history. Pay us $150 for one day of shooting. At your location. One hundred and fifty. Here's the caveat. Looking for one of the following original arcade games. Ms. Pac-Man, Tempest, Defender, Centipede, Donkey Kong, or Tutankham. Tim, uh, any insight as to what that lineup is from? 
Yeah, those are the the classic lineup from the Life magazine photo, and that was in the roundup in 1982 from Twin Galaxies and Tumwa. Hmm. I wonder what this is all about. You think we would have heard about this? But see, they're only asking for one. By the way, this is not related to the the Billy Mitchell event. I mean, they're they're going to be there, obviously, but why would they have a CL listing? This is damn peculiar. I don't know. That doesn't I mean, make isn't any that sense. Strange. Sounds like they want to recreate the photo again. But they're only asking for one game. Yeah, I got nothing on that. It'd be hard to recreate the photo, but it'd be funny. You could have like six cheerleaders in front of Tutankham. They'd make it worth it. <laughs> I have a Tutankham in my storage unit, except for that's the one that fell over and somebody dropped. Oops. Oh, I saw that in your storage. I almost put it in my van. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gotta go, what? <laughs> I almost put it in your van. Right. Primal Rage 2. So this is kind of interesting news. So MAME has released Primal Rage 2. After being canceled in 1995, Atari's long-lost Primal Rage 2 has found its way... Way back to... Did <laughs> 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 <Lincoln> we again? <laughs> Quit meeting him, man. <laughs> I usually read along with him, but... I... Back to the internet. Ooh, that's hilarious. You need Twilight Zone music for this. <laughs> I could just play this bass music in the background here. And we'll wait for Dan. What's this one? Why do you love me? <laughs> it almost sounds like the Jaws parody song. She got kicked out? <laughs> oh god, he's back! You figure out you muted him again. <laughs> you have been. Where did I? Where did I end? Where did I end? Found his said, way onto the internet. Just another glitch in the matrix. Wow! I would just start over. <laughs> no, I made it all the way onto the internet. Downloading an emulator, which would be Mame, will allow '90s fighting fans to dive straight into a competent build of the ill-fated beat 'em up. While some menus are still incomplete and it has its fair share of bugs, players will find that the dino brawling itself works. Just a year into development, Atari's financial troubles gave them cold feet, causing the company to pull the plug on Primal Rage 2. Aww. Yeah. You guys ever play Primal Rage? What a, what a terrible game. <laughs> I thought, you, I thought likes- you liked that game. Nobody likes Primal Rage. Come on. My wife does. Didn't they make it for the Jaguar? Your wife likes Primal Rage or she has Primal Rage? No. That's a good question. Well, this week for sure. Anyway. (laughs) Well, there's an inside story here. What's a scoop? What's a scoop? Well, okay, so let me explain to you, Adam. Every month, the girl... Oh, no, 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 no. no, What? You don't want to go down this path. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow. And now, something special. We're going to turn uh, over to our first ever field reporter, Tina McVeigh, in Oskaloosa, Iowa. Tina? Yes? I heard you had uh, something to report. You just got some news for us? Oh. Why, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I like Tell us about it. So, so, go on. I was reading earlier from Free Play Richardson that they have a thing going on for Nibbler, and it says, Nibbler, the super rare, ultra awesome snake game has arrived at Free Play Richardson. That's in Texas, is that right? Yes. Okay. You are correct. (laughs) 
<laughs> featured in the popular and great documentary Man vs. Snake, which, watch it if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Rockola's Nibbler is known to be one of the most addictive games on the planet and was the first game that allowed a player to score a billion points. With that in mind, we're also announcing our Nibbler Challenge. To make it worthwhile and to commemorate Nibbler's release date, we'll pay the first person to score a billion points on our game a sweet $1,982. Just give us a heads up before you attempt your 40-plus hour game. I'm totally going to do that. Subject to some rules, contact us for more information. (laughs) Tim, sounds like something you could do. Uh, I, I put my money on Dwayne Richard. I think he's the one that's probably going to do that next. He's next up. <laughs> he's actually, he called me a couple nights ago. He's wanting to come down here and play again. So maybe I'll just send him on down to Texas. There you go. There you go. Collect the money while he's there. <clears throat> 1900 bucks. Nothing to spit at. Nope. Right. Is that the arcade news or what? That's the arcade news for the day. Yeah? So, uh... Back in 82. I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave. With, with. <laughs> Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? That would be for Mark now. I think we lost Mark. Hi, this meeting. is Mark Shields. <laughs> Hi, this uh, is Mark. In 1982, we were talking we're about setting the Wayback Machine for some years <laughs> back into the into the Top way back. Where duct tape <laughs> you up. <laughs> Silver is my life. <laughs> I like duct work. <laughs> I want to duck you all over. <laughs> I see my <laughs> in the duck of the night. Oh my gosh. Where did he go? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like he may have passed out. <laughs> Mark joined the hangout. He's we can't hear him if he's supposed to be on. I don't know what the deal is. We're having some technical difficulties tonight. Seriously, you can't hear me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, we can't hear you. I think he muted you. He got you mixed up for Dan. <laughs> It's funny because you're all on the same channel, so there should be no reason why this is happening. Because <laughs> we would lose. Difficulties. There he is. I switched off and back to my blue. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Who is this? This isn't a Verizon commercial. This is bleeping amateur hour right now. I can't even believe it. <laughs> I did. I touched nothing. So I don't know what. <laughs> we don't want to know what you've been you touching. You talking about touching things? I'm interested. Talk about later. Man. So I was like talking about the sound of uh, all that stuff. Nobody could hear me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's just do it over. Welcome okay. to my life. Here this we is go. What happens every podcast? Unmuted. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first time. I'm gonna give you your cue again. Here you go. Okay. Back in '82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with with. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Hey, how's how's everybody doing? Good. All right. Now, you know, whenever I hear the end of that little thing, I think that that's the sound of a toilet flushing. But Adam insists it's from some show from Britain or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sure it is. Uh, I'd like y'all to climb into the DeLorean with me. Don't bump your head on the Gullwing doors. Ouch. Time circuits. Destination is 16 years in the past today. We're taking us back to March 16th, 1981. <laughs> so everything I'm going to talk about happened on that day or around that day. Tim, where were you that day? Go. <laughs> I have no idea. It's March 16th, um, I was in Iowa somewhere. Close. Okay. Good. <laughs> You're mostly correct, Tim. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm completely correct on that one. <laughs> Mark, Mark seems pretty sure. <laughs> find out. Okay. So um, first we're going to cover some technology news. Uh, on this day, Scramble, the side-scrolling shoot 'em up arcade game developed by Konami, manufactured and distributed by Stern in North America, was released today. Well, well, in 1981, but today. <laughs> that was the first uh, side-scrolling shooter, by the way. That's Scramble. right. Hmm. Yep. Before Defender. Okay, let's get on to the important part here. Top five songs in the U.S. Top Come on. five songs. Just ignore Dan. I'm going to sing them all. I'm, I'm going to sing them all. Okay, gonna, good. So I'm, I'm asked to do this in Dan. reverse. So number five, I Love a Rainy Night. Go. I Love a Rainy Night. I love, that's Eddie Rabbit, dude. Yeah. Okay, go yeah. on. What a great last name. And he got two T's out of it. <laughs> Rabbits. <laughs> two B's, rabbit. two T's, two Tubins. Now, I would like mm-hmm. to see. <laughs> Dude, okay, it's uh, number four by Sticks, the best of times. Go. Yeah, no, I'm not doing Sticks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't like wieners? Okay. <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. Sticks. Sticks, number three. Woman by John Lennon. Nope, not doing it. I don't know. John I don't know this song. I know one that Raquel Welch and Miss Piggy did. The huh. Woman. Hmm. Now, this one you got to know for sure. Number two, Keep on Loving You by R.E.O. Speedwagon. Keep on loving you. Sure. Blech. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of R.E.O. Hey, did you, you want to know a fun fact? R.E.O. Speedwagon is a car. Did you know that? Do you want to know another what? fun did fact? R.E.O. Speedwagon. I know that, I just said. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. It's really important information. First bleep right of the show right there. <laughs> I think you're going to need to check earlier. You missed earlier. a few earlier, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I thought that was before we were I'll, on there. I'll pepper the show with them. Don't worry. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. And then number one, back then, by uh, that's funny, written by Dolly Parton, nine to five. Go for it. Nine to five. What a way to make a living. Something ambition. I'm back. Dabney Coleman. Here's where I take the songs that were up there and try to relate them to games, arcade games. Okay, right, so oh back boy. in March of 81, uh, 9 to 5 was announced by uh, Fox Video Games as an Atari 2600 game, <laughs> <laughs> but was never it? released. I can't imagine what you what, would your boss be hanging by a garage door. Are you serious? Is that true? They actually said they were going to make a 9 they to 5 They did. Video game? I have no idea if it got past concept wow. or whatever. It would be oh awesome gosh. if they could find that. It would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'd play it. I'd be Dolly Parton. So, um, Sticks also arcade related stuff happened to them in 1986. The computer game Space Quest featured their song "Too Much Time on My Hands," which we all know. Like I hung that in the shower. Too much time on my hands. <laughs> oh, you guys are Space Quest. <laughs> I do remember Space Quest. <laughs> <laughs> I love Space Quest. Space Quest is like the best video game series ever on the PC. Too much time on my hands. 
You That's what you're calling it now, time. <laughs> That's right. Oh, hey, I have a note here. In 1981, after attending a Styx concert surrounded by mostly dudes, I first coined the term sausage fest. <laughs> you coined the phrase. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's hilarious. In the REO Speedwagon, they waited until 2009 to get into this. They released a game called Find Your Own Way Horm. Find your own <laughs> find your own hormones. <laughs> what? Hormones. Oh find your own hormones. <laughs> find your own hormones. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, it doesn't matter what they called it. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ario Speedwagon having their own game in 2009. That I mean, that's just like total disaster. <laughs> terrible. It's like Journey having their own video game. Hey now. <gasps> hey now. <laughs> Dan is a avid Journey fan. We had a little bit of fisticuffs last I'm week. I'm really of pissed they've never had a number one song. I yeah. just want y'all to know. We blew his mind last week with really? that fact. Yeah. yeah, see what I'm saying, Tim? Yep. Wow, I they've wouldn't guess that. They've only had a number two. That, actually. Me too. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> um, hey, let's go talk about the box office on this date, uh, March 16th, 1981. Horror director to, to be Hooper. No, it's Toby. Toby. Oh, yeah. Toby Hooper. He had a film called The Fun House. It was number one at the box office. It overthrew the previous week's number one film, The Devil and Max Devlin. Has anybody seen either one of these? I've actually yeah. seen them both, sadly. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe that was number one. That's kind of scary. Just for a week, only for a week. Um, it's too many. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, there's a Pat Lawler pin called Funhouse, released in 1990. It's pretty cool. Probably not related. Oh, you like it? I yeah. like the the scary, you know, clown face. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Pin's pretty good. It's oh, who, who? Toby Hooper. He had a more famous film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was actually turned into an Atari 2600 <laughs> game. Excuse me, I was about. Released by Wizard Video <laughs> in 1982. Go on. The game's premise was to run through fields as Leatherface, attempting to chop up people with your weapon of choice. Which was a chainsaw. Let's hear it. There he goes. There's a scream coming up. Oh my god, there's a scream. Ow. That's really loud. You yes. can hear the killing. You can. You can hear. That's the death. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Nice. So what was on TV today? Let's see. Uh, on ABC, Dynasty? Oh, dude, that always made me mad. Dynasty was always on right after Duke's Hazard. I know. I had to turn it off if I saw yep. it come on. I To this day, I can still hear that stupid it's, theme song. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, it had actually, Heather Locklear, so it was watchable. Oh, yeah, Heather Locklear. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. that. Is that what they <laughs> 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 Don't set Tina off. Don't set her off. <laughs> uh, on the other channel, the White Shadow actually had its last episode that day. Oh, right! I never even heard of that. And then it went to the Dark Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's very good. Huh? Season two, Dark Shadow. <laughs> After White Shadow, we had Mash and Lou Grant. I still never understand how how Lou Grant was a show, considering he was the same character from the Mary Tyler Moore show, which was a comedy, and then all of a sudden they turn it into a drama. What kind of what is up with that? Did you ever watch any Lou Grant? No, I didn't I, care for it. I, was, I mean, it, it, just like Dynasty, I would run away. I think I was I mean, too NBC, young. BJ and the Bear, and Lobo. Hey, Lobo, I love that okay. little monkey. 
You would. <laughs> wow. So Fox Video Games, the guys that were going to try to put out 95, also put out, well, for real, a game called MASH. And as you can imagine, it is awful. So it wasn't a MASH, huh? Oop, that's the right. words version. Yeah, I prefer the Marilyn Manson version of that song. So if you could just... Is there really a version of that? Yeah, oh yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, let's see what else happened. Last thing, uh, there's, uh, the, <laughs> there was an ABC after school special called My Mother Was Never a Kid. It aired on this date. Um, oddly, that film shares a similar plot to Back to the Future where the main character meets their parents as a teenager. <laughs> and, after you know, school specials. And it, my major complaint with all this stuff that was out on TV, no arcades. What's up with that? There's no arcades? No. They don't like all these shows where these kids are doing stuff. They never go to an arcade. And I'm like, come on. There's arcades. Let's go. There's an I'm arca- always looking out for that. There's an arcade in, in several episodes of like, you know, there's actually one in the Rockford Files. There's one in Simon and Simon. There's one in Magnum P.I. Dude. Yeah. That's awesome. The Magnum P.I. one is pretty fun. They're like, where could he be? Well, he did have a pocket full of quarters, and he does like to play pinball. And was he headed to the arcade? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go there. Pac-Man fever. I know where you're going with that, girl. (laughs) Folks, that's the end of Back to the Cade. Oh, my gosh. Back to the Cade was beautiful this week, by the way. I just wanted Thank you. To I, I wrote it a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great. But okay, it's so, so, so that means uh, oh, that means we can um, maybe do a listener call. <gasps> yeah. Do we? Ha- I'm going to check the voicemail right now. How do you play these anyway? Push play. What? <laughs> wow, that was helpful. Triangle. <laughs> triangle. Uh, there's the Google Voice. We never change. Down, down, left, right. Uh, wait, here we go. I, I figured it out. This is the one voicemail we have this week. Yeah, this is uh, Bob Zarzadek. I heard the uh, arcade ratio team is going to be talking about man versus snake. So I thought I'd uh, give you my top three man versus snake tips. <laughs> All right, number, number one, you say hello to the snake. You get it comfortable with your presence so it doesn't get freaked out. Okay, so now that you got that, you can move on to number two, which is where you, you should try to stun the snake by saying something it's not expected. You know, like uh, like the, the U.S. Postal Service is not very efficient. Or uh, gummy bears don't contain gum or bears. That'll stun that snake good. Uh, you know, it'll be all confused and such. And, and that gets us to number three, and that's uh, where you, you spank the snake. Yeah, you just start spanking the snake. I'm listening, go on. You know what, now that I'm saying that, 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 that sounds kind of weird. I think I might have my stories mixed up. Hmm, you know, I'm going to check all my sources. I'll, I'll call you guys next week and let you know when I got that figured out. You guys take care. Stars of deck out. So, so it's amazing, out of all of those, Dan paid more attention to number three out of, out of all of those. <laughs> I'm spank listening. All I can think is that commercial. Did you just spank your macaroni? <laughs> Food, you want a fork? <laughs> oh man, where do this? Where do you spank the snake? I mean, on which part? <laughs> Every level. <laughs> 
Why do you think I play it for so many hours? <laughs> That's how you get the nibbler to grow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's really tired. Nibbler has taken on a new meaning. <laughs> and and you're <laughs> you realize they're never inviting us back, right? This is the best show we've ever done. <laughs> Go on, Tina. <laughs> service to the test. That would be the cue for our guests, which this week is Tim and Tina McVeigh. Welcome to the show again. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for having us. <laughs> no, seriously, it's really great to have you on the show. Famous. Uh, this will be our one and only time that we have us. <laughs> well, thanks to you, yeah. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. It's all your worry, fault. I don't have to worry about the Timothy McVeigh jokes anymore. They just listen to you. <laughs> that is a little rough. You, you, you know, that guy comes along and wrecks a totally good name. You know. I've had two things that got wrecked. Tim McVeigh Day was on January 28th of 1984. Two years later, I'm sitting in my living room and I watched the Space Shuttle Challenger blow up on my day. Uh, I was like, oh, that was awesome. And then, yeah, the idiot from Oklahoma. So That's not good. Fun times. I'm just going to kick this off as sort of a, uh, you know, ladies first here. Tina, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you met Tim. I met Tim on the internet. We were in a help channel on MIRC. It was a, um, a help channel to help people get around on this particular program Program called, um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> That's not what it was called. It was called MIRC. <laughs> and weren't really looking to uh, get involved with each other. We were just there to help people out and it just kind of, you know, grew from there and um, I came up here on a train, something I will never do again. <laughs> uh, I left on a Friday and left Tampa and they said that the train would be leaving Tampa at like three o'clock in the afternoon. They said that there was a bus leaving to go to Orlando where my train would eventually wind up. And they said, you, you can go ahead and take the bus and just meet the train there. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that. So I got on the bus about seven hours later, train finally pulled in, got on the train and got to Washington, D.C. And there was a six hour layover in Washington, D.C. And got on the next train to oh Chicago God. and there was a five hour layover. Oh, wow. And that's when the fun began. <laughs> <laughs> Long trip up the, to see Tim for the, the first time. The lady sitting next to me, she had gone down to West Virginia to visit her sister, and she was having anxiety about flying back, so she opted to take the train. Lucky so you. about every five to ten minutes, she kept shaking me awake, saying that the train was going to derail. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my. So <clears throat> I tried to ignore her as best as I could. The um, guy sitting in front of me, he had a train scanner so he could hear what the conductor was listening to. The couple sitting ahead of him argued the whole way. 
the lady sitting across the aisle from us was a little old lady who was totally deaf, so she didn't hear her alarm on her oxygen tank going off all night long. <laughs> and Oh my, this story yeah. sounds made up. Wow. Yeah, and so when I got off the train in uh, Ottumwa, I looked at him and said, I love you, but I will never get on another train again. Aww. Tim, <laughs> what do you so have to, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, they can make a movie about that. (laughs) (laughs) Throw Tina on the train. (laughs) (laughs) Throw Tim under the train. (laughs) You know, I've never asked you this, and I don't know, just hearing you tell it again made it pop in my head. Whether you took the bus from Tampa or you took the train from Tampa, weren't you going to be on the train in Orlando at the same time, regardless of which way you went? Yeah, but I mean, what was what was the difference? I either sat in Tampa and waited for the train, or I sat in Orlando and waited for the train. Oh, so that's I was what I'm saying. Just, so I was just a little bit closer being <laughs> okay. in Orlando than I was in Tampa. So I thought, whatever, I might as well just go ahead and go to Orlando and sit there and wait. <laughs> so that's what I did. The part she actually left out was <clears throat> within two weeks of getting here in Iowa, um, there were some really bad storms out on the East Coast, and the train from Tampa to Washington, that, that same train that she took, actually derailed, and multiple people died on that. Oh, no way. Yeah. It was like two weeks later to the day. <clears throat> two weekends later, it was crazy. Oh, weird. Yeah. Some things happen for a reason, I guess. Uh-huh. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about your arcade experience as a kid. <clears throat> Well, I lived in Ottumwa, Iowa, so most people that are familiar with arcade games, especially classic arcade games, they've probably heard of an arcade there called Twin Galaxies. <laughs> they uh, keep track of all the high scores from, from the arcade games from back in the day all the way up till now. They they no longer exist as a physical arcade, but they're, they're a website, and they still do all the score stuff. But that happened to be my local arcade. That's and pretty cool. That Life Magazine photo that they had with the arcade gamers out in the street behind the machines... I had a cousin was actually in that photo standing beside Billy Mitchell. He was the Carnival World Champion at the time. And he kept inviting me to come down to the arcade. I'd, I'd never been there yet. I was into BMX at the time, so I was always on my bike. We were always at the track or riding you know, back and forth, whatever. And I just never, never been down there. And he finally, he talked me into coming down there. And, and I just uh, kind of was a home away from home. It's pretty. It's pretty neat for being a local kid. You know, all the stars of the day, I guess you could call them, came down there. <laughs> Any given day, you'd walk into the arcade and you'd you'd see Ben Gold, who was on That's Incredible. He'd be oh, yeah. sitting there playing Satan's Hollow, and Billy Mitchell would be sitting there playing Miss Pac-Man. Or every once in a blue moon, you'd see him playing Donkey Kong, and it was it's kind of cool. And so a lot of the local kids, you know, it's like. Where are all these guys coming to our town getting all the attention? We can beat them. <laughs> so it was kind of the locals versus the visitors, and a lot of us local kids wanted to, to show that we were just as good as these foreigners coming into our town. So was Billy a, 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 Tumna, a Tumwa, Iowa native? or No, he's from Hollywood, Florida, actually. Okay. And uh, I don't know how everybody found out about Twin Galaxies to begin with, because you got to realize this is back before the Internet. Yeah. So... Yeah. Atomwa, if you look through some of the books, the, especially the one Walter wrote about back in the day, it, it often refers to it as the, the Dodge City of video games. Yeah. So, so essentially anybody that was anybody on an arcade game, they would come to Twin Galaxies in Atomwa in an effort to set a new world record and gain, gain a little bit of attention and notoriety for you know being the champion on whatever title. 
so Billy, he, he almost wasn't a Tumwa resident, it seems like, at the time. Because about <laughs> any time during the summer, you'd go down there. He was at the arcade hanging out. Interesting. So you, And then Walter Day, of course. So what was it like when you first met Walter? What was, you know? Well, it's, it's kind of weird for me because, you know, today there's been all these documentaries that's came out. The King of Kong, um, our film Man vs. Snake, Chasing Ghost, which was about the Life magazine photo from, from back in 82. Yep. And a lot of people have this built up in their head that Twin Galaxies was some, I don't know, like Walmart Supercenter-sized arcade, you know, some huge mecca that had, you know, hundreds of machines or something. And it was just, there was nothing like that. It was just a really small arcade, and I believe they had about 24 games. And because of those documentaries, people see Walter, and he's he's kind of up on this pedestal. He's the referee guy that you see in all the films. He's got the ref jersey on. And to me, he was just Walter. He was he was the guy that owned the arcade that took my money, you know? <laughs> so was, I'd say hi to him every day, and it's just he was like anybody else at the time. Because there, there were several arcades in the area. His wasn't the only one. Yeah. And it's like we, as kids, we'd go roller skating, and we knew who the guy was that owned the skating rink, or we'd go over to the BMX track, we knew who the guy was that owned it. You know, you'd, you'd say hi to him and pay your money and, and get your entertainment value out of it. So it just, he was just Walter, you know? So it's kind of weird when you see all these docs now and you, you see how everything's turned out from then until now. It's interesting that he had Twin Galaxies and I had Fun Spot. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. she she lived in Florida, and there was actually two fun spots at the time. The one that's out in Laconia, New Hampshire, which is the one that's been there all this time, is you know really world famous now. And then the one that was down there by her. So she went to Fun Spot, and I went to Twin Galaxies, and here we are together now. It's kind of crazy. I'm not Tina, sure. Do you have a game? But I think that the Florida Fun Spot is still open. No, it's not actually. No, it's closed. Because I went a few years ago when I was in Florida. I saw the Fun Spot sign. Um. And I don't, maybe it's not the same arcade anymore, but or maybe the sign was Chasing just there. Ghost, it shows I forget what the time frame was, but it showed a bunch of arcades that actually closed. Okay, and during that little montage, it shows Twin Galaxies and it shows the fun spot by her house that closed. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just a an arcade with the same name. So it could be or a amusement area. So uh, Dan, you were asking a question. Yeah, I was asking if uh, Tina had a game. She. Um, no, I mean, I go in, I play, you know, different games. I drop quarters in different things, but I wasn't near as competitive as, you know, ga- uh, gamers are now. I mean, I play Mario brothers or, you know, something along that lines, but no, I was never, I could never sit and play hours and hours on end. Unless so, she plays Arkanoid. Yeah, so speaking of that, <laughs> I know you guys bo- both play, uh, was it Diablo 3? Uh, tell us about the, um, comment on the competitive nature uh, of gamers and how that uh, how you guys both approach gaming. Go ahead, ladies first. <laughs> um, he's He's always got he's always got to win at everything. It seems like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just put it this way. If you beat me, you actually beat me. I love her, but I don't let her win. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He does not let me win. (laughs) I I know he loves me to death, but he does not. Are there any games that you guys play against each other? Um, no, not really. It's not so much. We play against each other. I mean, we, we play, together but it's, she won't play against me's water 
Shut up. <laughs> it's Dr. Mario. <laughs> yeah, I, I refuse to play Dr. Mario with that. <laughs> He's ruthless. Absolutely ruthless. That's the point of the game. <laughs> Ruthlessness. The smackdown. And sickness. <laughs> <laughs> No, she likes playing co-op a lot more. She likes playing competitive because, yeah, she doesn't like Dr. Mario with me at all. I killed that game for her, I think. So you guys, just, you, you guys play together Diablo 3? Do you like cooperative then? Um, I built a gaming PC when the Xbox One and the PS4 came out. I hadn't been on PC gaming for probably about a decade. I went to the consoles, and when they did those new reveals, I wasn't too impressed with either one of them. And I was like, okay. I think it's time to go back to PC. So I built one and a friend of mine, he's been a huge Diablo fan for years. And essentially I missed it. I mean, I never played Diablo one or two because I'd already jumped over to consoles and it just, yeah. it was one of those titles that I just never, you know, my path never crossed, but I'd, I'd heard him talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. It's like, God, shut up. <laughs> so one of the first games I bought for the PC that I built was Diablo three, since it was you know still relatively new. And I'm like, okay, he's talked about this damn game forever. So let's see what it's about. And I was sitting in here and I was playing one night and I don't remember. She brought me something to drink or whatever. She came in and she's sitting here watching me and it's the longest she'd sit and watch me play anything other than Nibbler for a long time. And so I was kind of poking her a little bit, you know, or is something you think you might want to play? Did that look interesting to you? And I, I just kept bugging her. And before too long, we actually built her a gaming PC so that we could sit down and we could play together cooperatively. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'd have to look to be honest with you, but I know that we're both over 300 hours into the game and we both have 12 characters that are almost maxed out now. So we play it quite a bit. Awesome. Well, before we jump into the man versus snake thing, I, I just noticed that in the chat, there's someone named Brian Jones who says that the hi, whole- Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say hi to that you. in Florida there is a thanks for being in the chat Brian are your pants on Brian wait I don't do you want oh, Brian do you want to oh, call in Brian disconnected oh there is a chat oh, I never man, even seen not that again yeah so Brian says there there is a, a new carnival place that's not the same fun spot so it has it says fun spot but it's not the same deal so tis what it is I just got another okay. voicemail too. So um, let's get into Man vs. Snake a little bit. I mean, this is this is kind of how a lot of us found out about you, um, um, Tim McVeigh too. And uh, <laughs> what can you tell us what Man vs. Snake is for those that are listening? Um, it's it's several things actually. It, it started out Man vs. Snake is a documentary. It's about me playing the video game Nibbler. And what it started out as and what it ended up as are two completely different things. What it started out as was the two guys that were the, the men behind it, Andrew Seckler and Tim Kinsey, they had smuggled a main machine, a multi-arcade machine emulator, arcade upright, into their studio out in Hollywood. And they worked on Battlestar Galactica and a couple other shows. And in between editing sessions, they'd get a little friendly competition going on on different titles. They had you know hundreds of ROMs installed. Somewhere along the line, they stumbled across the game Nibbler. They, you know, neither one had heard of it. Most people haven't. It's kind of an obscure game. And they, they started playing it, and they kind of had some fun with it. And I don't remember who beat who, but somebody kind of really – I think one of them got like 400000 and the other was still stuck around 100000 And they were, wow, 400000 That's really high. So they decided to – to uh, find out what the world record was. And they, the next day, I, I think Tim said he'd come in and Andy had looked it up and he posted the, the picture. He found the Tim McVeigh Day poster from 1984 and he stuck it on Andy's door or on Tim's door. So when Tim come walking in, he saw it and he's like, 
billion points. Uh, uh-uh. no way. That, that's a typo. <laughs> There's too many zeros. So they started looking into it, and it led them to Twin Galaxies, and they contacted Twin Galaxies, which led them to Walter Day, and they talked to Walter, and uh, they're like, that score can't be right. That's got to be somebody entered that wrong, right? And Walter says, oh, no, I know Tim. He did it in my arcade. I watched him do it. (laughs) So they just, they were fascinated with it at that point. They thought that there was a story there that was worth telling, and they asked Walter if they could get my contact info, and he sent me an email, and I said, sure, whatever. You know, I thought he was kind of kidding with me. Yeah, somebody cares about the score I did 23 years ago, 24 years ago. (laughs) And they didn't contact me right away, and I just I kind of blew it off. I forgot about it. And then one night I get a phone call, and I said, they they started telling me who they were. And I said, you're who? You're you're calling for what? (laughs) All right, who put you up to this? I I totally forgot about it at that point. Were you a Battlestar Galactica fan at the time? I watched Battlestar Galactic as a kid. I hadn't watched the the newer one that okay. they worked on. Okay. So I, I didn't know who they were. And uh, it started off, and they just, they what they wanted to do like a 10 to 15 minute short form documentary straight to YouTube. And they wanted to know if they could come out to Iowa and interview Tina and I. And uh, well, they, they wanted to interview me. And then when they met Tina, they wanted to interview her. And they scanned, you know, scrapbooks, uh, old newspaper articles, all that kind of stuff, took a bunch of pictures and did their thing. And I thought that was the end of it, you know, when they left and, uh, they didn't know how they were going to end it. And somewhere in all this, they did been talking to Walter. They'd interviewed him a little bit. And he, he suggested that there was a upcoming event out in Chicago. It's called the video game summit in 2007, just a, it's a small convention in Lombard. And Walter invited Tina and I to go along with him to be his guest. And he didn't tell us what was going on other than, you know, he was just inviting us to be his guest with him. And Tim flew into Chicago, and he came to the event, and Walter presented me with a certificate for getting the world record back in 1984. And I'd, I'd never had one. Uh, Twin Galaxies back then didn't do them, and this was, you know, something new. And oh, that's cool. They, they decided to do that, and that, that was the ending. That was supposed to be the ending. Tim came in, and he filmed it, and that was going to be the ending of the dock, except for it wasn't. Um, on the way back to Iowa, Walter was, you know, we were talking about the old days and this, that, and the other, and somewhere along the line he says uh he says do you think he could still play nibbler i said i don't know i don't have one i'd have to have a machine to find out and, you know we just kept talking well do you think you'd want to still play nibbler i said well, i don't know if i could find a decent machine to play on it'd be kind of neat to play it again just see if i could still play it he says would you ever consider going for the record again on nibbler and i said who knows walter i'd have to see if i had a machine if i could even play the game first <laughs> And two days later, Tim and Andy are contacting us. Uh, actually, I, I told Walter, I said, if anybody can find a machine, it's probably you and Billy Mitchell because you guys still have all these connections. You're still into the arcade stuff. I said, see if you can find a machine. So about two days later, Tim and Andy call us, and there's a machine that's for sale, and it's on eBay, and it's one of the programmers that owned the machine. And it's just like bang, 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 bang. Things just started happening. You know, okay, one that's... thing after another, everything just fell into place. And, <clears throat> We got 600 hours of footage later. Wow. That's what they had to to edit through to make the the documentary Man vs. Snake. I got to pause for a second on that. Uh, So it was an eBay purchase. That machine was beautiful, by the way. Or is. Uh, And it was was one of the programmers? Yes, it was one of the programmers. Um, John Joglis, he owned it. The the two programmers were Joe Ulewitz and John Joglis. And John was living out in the Denver area. And he had that machine in a storage unit. Wow, it's just a very serendipitous that it just ended up in your lap. 
yeah, uh, for whatever reason, at that time, he decided it was time to part with it, and he put it on eBay, and Tim and Andy happened to be searching. And I mean, I'd searched off and on for like a year and nothing. I mean, every once in a while, you could find a like a marquee or an owner's manual or something. That was about it. And here's a programmer's machine. I mean, really? <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like the stars just lined up, you know? <laughs> and so um, can you share the price that it went for? Um, I actually can't. I was asked not to. Oh, okay, great. So, so in but, the uh, film, the, there wasn't much ceremony when the game was delivered. In fact, it, you know, they just show him bringing it into the house. So we know where it came from. Um, but what was it like to have that thing rolled into your house again after you had to give up your original machine? Well, you, you didn't have to, but there's a story in the, in the movie about that. People can watch the movie for that. But when it came back, what was that like? What did it feel like? And Tina, this for you, this must have been a new experience for having this large piece of furniture in your home. So talk about that, you guys. Go ahead, honey. <laughs> um, for me, I knew this was something that it was almost like um, a piece of his of his history coming home. Um, this was something that, you know, he felt, I don't know so much as guilty for getting rid of in the first place. So for, for us to actually be able to get this machine again, it was almost like... Um, I don't know what the word is I want to use, uh, redemption in a way, um, of getting another one back because they're so rare. I mean, it's not like you can just go to your local grocery store and pick one up on the, you know, cereal aisle or something. And so I don't mind them being in the living room. (laughs) Um, we've, we've got a Robotron in the living room as well. So yeah. And so, you know, pretty much everything, all of our walls. I mean, Who's you laughing can't, at me? Who's you laughing can't really at me? see the walls. I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> she don't know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, she really don't know what's coming. But yeah, so anyway, you had this thing come in and, and, and so you're, you basically are like, cool, this is Tim's deal and we need to bring, you know, this is a special deal. So. I- and I've told him under no circumstances is it leaving the house again. Nice. Yeah, she That's won't great. let it go to an event. She won't let it be moved because it seems like every time we take it somewhere and we bring it home, something's wrong with it. Yeah. And then it's not like there's a lot of nibbler repairmen around and I don't really know how to repair arcade machines. So it's always an ordeal trying to fix things when you don't know how to fix them and yeah. you don't know where the, the closest person is to fix them. And so she's mandated that that thing don't leave the house and it sits right there. You're probably going to be buried in it. I told him, I says, it's going to go roots to the carpet. (laughs) Well, Tim, you have a lot of connections now. You should be able to find somebody to work on that thing. If you, if you ever have trouble, you can give me a shout and I can point in the right direction too. So I appreciate the offer, but yeah, you're right. I've, I've met a lot of hookups over, you know, from that point in time, but she's still, she's like, no, you can't hardly find boards. You can't find machines and we're, we're just not moving it. Cause if something goes wrong with it, we're the ones that suffer. We're the ones that have to pay for it. So, so she won't let it go anywhere. What I was laughing about when she was explaining it is she knows about one of the new machines coming, but she doesn't know about the other one. Cause I haven't told her until surprise well, on the air like right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got it. I've always wanted an eyes machine. It's another rock. Oh, yeah, it's a and great it's, game. It's kind of a, almost a twin to nibbler in my eyes. It's the same cab. Nibbler has green artwork and the, the eyes machine has blue. And to me, they've always been like a bookend set. So 
I made a deal for an eyes machine, which will be coming home here hopefully very shortly. What state is that coming yeah. from? It's coming from the Chicago area. Cool. And then the other machine that she doesn't know about until, well, you know, pretty much right now, um, same thing for Robotron. Uh, Robotron's always been my favorite game. It's the most intense arcade game ever made, and I it's love awesome. it. I have a Robotron. So much like I viewed Eyes the bookend to Nibbler, I've always viewed Smash TV as the bookend to Robotron. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I've actually got a deal for Smash TV, and I need to pick it up here in a couple weeks. Right on. Good work. So, so we got two machines coming, what? honey. <laughs> that one's that one's in Iowa at least, so it's not like we got to go too far. Hey, Dan, to quick, say something sexy to Tina. <laughs> I, I love Tina. you. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, you're gonna love me. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna love me like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I love you long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're we're gonna have two more here shortly. By now, I'm sure the entire audience has Googled Nibbler. Um, all six or seven of them that are listening right now. So, tell the audience about Nibbler really quickly, and then why Nibbler. Okay, Nibbler, um, everybody likens it to the, the old Nokia phone game Snake, which it's kind of similar, but it's not really. It's a, it's a maze game. It's got croutons. Uh, I always call them dots, but after actually meeting the programmer and talking to him, he calls them radioactive croutons, which is why when, when the snake eats them, he grows longer because of the radioactivity. Excellent. So, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're a short snake. You start off, you're about an inch long. And as you run around the maze, there's no other enemies on the screen. There's nothing. It's just you, the croutons, and a timer. And the longer you go without eating a crouton, the, the timer will exponentially speed up, and it'll kill you really quick if you're not actively eating the croutons and advancing your gameplay. But it's, it's a pattern game. A lot of people dismiss it as a pattern game. Well, it's just a pattern game. I'm like, yeah, well, you've seen my patterns. Here, jump on here and do it. That doesn't usually work out well for him. No, but, uh, not when you put him on wave 80. <laughs> well, they can talk some shit. Here, back it up. But, <laughs> but it's kind of like Pac-Man. You run around, you eat the dots. It's a maze game. And why Nibbler? Um, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd never heard of it. And I walked into Twin Galaxies one day, and Tom Asaki, the guy that was the current world record holder, he was sitting there playing it. First time I'd met Tom, first time I'd seen the machine, and... I didn't realize when I walked in, there was a group of people standing around watching him and I didn't realize, you know, when I did a look at the score. I thought it was like 700,000, but reality it was, it was smart mouth is like 700 million. And, and, uh, I was like, why is everybody watching? Well, he's at 700 million. He's been playing for, you know, 30, however many hours. And me being me, I said, Oh, it doesn't matter what he gets when he's done. I'll just beat it anyway. <laughs> I'd never seen it. So just being a smart ass kind of, you know, what I just said, you're, you're, you're kind of talking shit and you got to back it up. So I started playing it and I liked it. It was addictive. It was fast. I liked the speed. That's, that's what drove me to Robotron. It's just the chaos, the total speed of everything. So Nibbler kept my attention. It was fast. It was exciting. It, it just kept me, you know, kept me entertained. I'd watch guys like Billy Mitchell and Thomas Saki himself. They were into Miss Pac-Man and you'd watch them play for like two or three hours and they wouldn't even pass the screen. They were trying to figure out how the ghosts ran around and how they interacted with each other and how you could group them together so you could eat the Energizer and eat all four of them. If you're into that game, and that, that's awesome. There's a lot of strategy involved. I mean, they, they've really got a deep understanding of that game. To me, I just <laughs> <laughs> fell asleep. I mean, oh, my God, Miss Pac-Man was the most boring game ever watching them do that. They just, I couldn't play it. It was too slow. So speed. Um, Nibbler had it, and I liked it. 
Nice. Mark. Mark. I have a question. <laughs> I have an answer. Let's see if they match. It's like Mark, Mark, uh, so Mark is great because we'll be like interviewing people and he'll, he'll be so drawn into the story. He's like, Oh, there goes Dan. Oh wait, I had a question. <laughs> <laughs> Did Dan just drop off again? Dan's back. Oh my He's gosh. on my screen. I'm That's, back. <laughs> I was distracted. I'm I was distracted by uh, Dan. Uh, well, actually, Adam typed in something about. I hate it when you do all kinds of work and then it doesn't work because Brian Jones, who's listening to us, tried to fix the hum on his nibbler. Yeah, like there's like a hum from the audio. And, okay. he, and it didn't work. So he still has the hum. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what to tell him on that. I'm just going to be annoying. Sound damn well, and is anyways, it, if it's is it actually from, is it from his monitor? He's probably humming while the game is playing. Just hum. Ours has like a, I don't know, the only thing I can think to call it's coil wine. Like I've heard video cards have coil wine on a PC. The monitor's got that kind of a high pitched coil wine sound to it sometimes. Yeah, that can be fixed by CapKit and whatever, but he might be having power problems too. So his power oh. board might might not his power board might need rebuilding if he's getting dirty power from the thing, you know. To the if PCB. it's an actual Rockola cab, you probably ought to replace it with a switching power supply. Yeah. Makes it a whole lot more stable. It's yeah, you can rebuild them, but it is sort of a pain. Yeah, there could be a couple of ground issues or something, who knows? But I suggest if you have problems you log on to Clav and and wade through the the um the forums to see if there's something you can find on that. I'm gonna ask my question. Are you sure? <laughs> Jump right yeah. in, Mark. Hey Tim, so <laughs> I wanna know what is the ideal screen on Nibbler to go to use uh like if you're gonna go on a break. I usually use Wave ninety nine. It doesn't really matter on version nine or on uh, version 6 that we marathon. Here, I'm getting mixed up. I'm getting tired. Version 6, the croutons, they never replenish. So if you if you run around the screen and you, you die, whenever, whatever's left on the screen when you come back, that's what's left on the screen when you come back. So I've been playing it, and I, I've got this stuck in my head, and nobody believes me, but I know it's to be true. I When I got the first billion points, I did it on the hard ROM set. I did it on version 9. And everybody says, there's no way because version 9 was made because of the billion points. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but I know I did it on version 9 because I chose Wave 99 as my breakboard because there's croutons around the outside of the maze. There's no walls to stop the nibbler, so the nibbler will run all the way around the outside of the screen and delete all the croutons. When you die on version 9, all the croutons regenerate. So it would run around the outside of the screen. It would eat the 12 croutons. It would die. It would run around the outside of the screen, eat the 12 croutons, die. So while I was away on break, I was gaining points. And I remember that very specifically. You don't play a game for 40 hours and forget a detail like that. Hmm. So I can't convince anybody of it because I don't have any video of it to show it. But Wave 99 was always my breakboard because of that. So they nice. said level 32 was mentioned in the movie as once you get to that, that level, it's stupid difficult. Is there a level off That's, point? That's the high speed. Um, once you hit 32, it's at full speed. And the difference in the ROM chips become noticeable then because up until 32, they're the same. But once you hit 32 on version 9, it puts all the croutons back on the screen every time you die. Okay. So you have to clear the entire screen with one life to be able to advance past it. I'll remember that when I get to 32. <laughs> You'll know when you see it. <laughs> hey, Tim. So this, this, this did bring up something that I wanted to know. Have you ever had a nibbler dream? Uh, I wouldn't call it a dream, but yeah. <laughs> a night, folks, you had a nightmare? <laughs> yeah. 
not like the cartoons in the movie, but <laughs> you, you hear the sound in your sleep. You can hear the sound in your sleep. And um, <laughs> a couple times down Twin Galaxies as a kid, I had my machine intentionally. One guy actually went between the machines and pulled the plug out of the wall. And I rocked the machine back and slammed his head against the wall for for doing it. And a couple times, arcade employees actually hit the wrong breaker when they were shutting off, supposed to be shutting off the row games behind me, and they shut the game off that I was actually playing. So a couple of those, you kind of wake up in a cold sweat. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, yeah, they weren't dreams, but I've had a few of those. And how do you prepare each time before a Nibbler performance? Um, when I was younger, I really didn't. I just went and played because you're 16 and you don't know any better. <laughs> you go out drinking <laughs> yeah. the night before. <laughs> Shh, you're not supposed to tell that. <laughs> yeah, when I actually got the billion point game, it was uh, Coronation Day weekend, and Walter had a bunch of the the superstar players of the day that were in town to be honored. You know, the gamer of the year and stuff like that. And there was a bunch of us that was supposed to sit down on Sunday at noon. That, that was when we were going to start our marathons. Well, except for me and Billy and Steve and a few others kind of were out late the night before. I don't know what she's talking about, this drinking thing. We were underage. <laughs> we didn't do that. But uh, I got, by the time I woke up, it's like, oh, crap, it's after 12. And I jumped on my bike and headed to the arcade and kind of quietly walked in and hoped nobody noticed that Tim was late because the marathons were already started, except for there was nobody playing Nibbler. And I was two hours late. I started at 2 o'clock when I was supposed to start it at noon. But it worked out okay. I got the record. Nice. Oh, that's great. Okay, so I have another question. This one's for Tina. And my uh, it, it's basically, what was the most unusual request from Tim that you've ever gotten while he was in the middle of a marathon? Feel free to... Feel free to, you know, share. My <laughs> husband knows exactly what I'm going to say. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something about a glass. Yes. So we had, in one of his attempts, we had a bunch of people here at the house. And he... I don't know what to expect. <laughs> so he didn't want to walk away from the machine, but he really had to go. <laughs> so... Needless to say, everyone had to leave the room. Except for her. And, yes. And there was a glass involved, and that's all I will say. Wow. Yeah. That's love. That's love. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have enough lives left, and I really had to go. So, problem oh, solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you for being honest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Funny, 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 funny. <laughs> At least I didn't blow anything up. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm going to name some, some names and you guys comment on them. Dwayne Richard. Hilarious. Intelligent. If you, ever get, if you ever get the chance to talk to him, sit down and have a conversation with that man because he is the most hilarious um seems a little like the energizer bunny he's a great storyteller he's very intelligent to talk to excellent he's he's got a good memory he really articulates stories well he's he's entertaining to listen to really good guy we got to have him on the show for sure oh yeah he definitely want to get Dwayne on here he's awesome cool uh billy mitchell um i'll let you do that one first go ahead um 
Very kind-hearted. Yeah. That's it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's, uh, um, you know, he, he um, ha- had a lot of negative press in Kingdom Kong, and I think Chasing Ghosts does a better job of depicting his larger-than-life personality. But I think that he kind of takes a bad rap for King of Kong, and it's good to hear people say some good things about him. So I would add, uh, very loyal. And if he's your friend, there's probably nothing he wouldn't do for you. Um, really, he's a lot more caring than people want to give him credit for. If you, the only way you really get to know Billy is if you get him out of an event. Like if if you go to an event somewhere, and then when the event's over, a lot of people go out to eat or something. If you get to sit down with him in that environment, he's just a different person. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people don't know is his persona and his public image. A lot of that is from shyness and nervousness. He's really not comfortable in public in front of a lot of people. Sure. So he's always constantly telling one-liner jokes just just to break the ice, just to you know ease the tension. Just he he just can't stop. And he's a great guy. He's really good. It's awesome, Lon McDonald. Lonnie's a lot of fun. Um, I, I was just giving him a hard time today on Facebook, actually, because we were talking about uh, him and I are part of the U.S. National Video Game Team, and we're talking about new business cards for the for the U.S. National Video Game Team. And one of the things they put up, we're, we're having a private conversation, and we looked at it, and we're like, wow, that's got to be a really big business card. Lonnie says, no, it could be really small, small print. And I said, are you going to send out magnifying glasses with those? He goes, how old are you? And I said, well, as long as you're around, I'm not the old man. You keep me young. So <laughs> Lonnie's a lot of fun. He is a master at joust. Yep. And he's one of, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I got the chance to meet him a couple years ago when he came and played my joust machine in my house for that um, that sort of little trek he did for Guinness. Uh, it's it's not that he did. He's still doing. He's, uh, he's doing a couple more in Texas this month, actually. So I think he's up to... I want to say 150 machines now. Wow. I'm not sure, but he's he's got them in every state now. That's he's, awesome. He's been globetrotting. Yeah, he, he yep. played on my machine for about four and a half hours, said it was one of his fastest games, and um, he was delighted by the fact that my control panel didn't need to be gone over. It just worked right out. He put a quarter in. Well, first he said, hey, let's open this thing up and um, so I can check out the leaf switches and whatnot. I said, well, why don't you put a quarter in and see how it feels? And then I'll open it up if you need to open it up because I had it tucked away in the back. And so he popped in the quarter and he just, he's like, this, this will work. <laughs> he just continued to play. Yeah, so, that's something even, even the stars that came to Twin Galaxies back in the day, we really didn't get to do because the machines, Walter didn't own. He was, he was a partner with some other people that actually owned the machines. So they generally didn't open them and work on them. You know, it was the, the owner, his tech came in and worked on them when they needed repaired and stuff. Sure. So we never had that opportunity as kids to really fine tune controls and anything like that. Yeah. So that's something we're spoiled with now. We can, you know, get the the feel the way we want it we can we can adjust the leafs and we can kind of tweak them to our liking so some of that stuff that's something i'm really proud of i want to add where we're on the subject a lot of those records that were set in twin galaxies by myself and billy and a lot of these other players that you've mentioned we did something back in the day that even though a lot of those records have fell in the last you know five years or so what we did back then will never be duplicated what we did we did by putting quarters into the machines and playing them we weren't able to open the machines we weren't able to play them in mame and go from safe states and sit and practice things over and over and over right where we were having the problem we had to put the quarter in and play back up to that and then try to get past it and then repeat it you know rinse and repeat over and over so it was a really cool period where 
these new machines were coming out constantly and we were just destroying the scores on them. And these scores stood for a quarter of a century in a lot of cases. So I'm really proud to have been part of that era and those players back in that time. It was really Absolutely. cool. Yeah, that's totally cool. I have one more name. I don't know if you know, Steve Weeby. Right. Steve Weeb, Yep. Yeah, uh, King of Kong. I met him. Um, I don't really have anything bad to say about him. I don't really have anything good to say about him. Um, <laughs> to me, King of Kong has him and Billy backwards. And that's not dissing Steve. That's to me, that's more of saying that Billy's a really good guy that people don't realize because of the way that film was edited. Sure. Earlier, when I mentioned Video Game Summit being the end of my doc and, you know, Walter taking us out there and stuff, one of the things that was kind of neat when we were there, I got to meet Todd Rogers from Florida. Oh, yeah, Todd. I, I'd love to meet him, too. Oh, I can hook you up and get him on here. He's a character, too. Oh, that'd be, so awesome. that'd be so awesome. That'd be so awesome. Todd's awesome. But uh, during the, the thing... Walter had us up there talking and stuff at the event and somebody asked Todd a question about the King of Kong because he was in it. And I hadn't considered his answer until I heard him say it. And then it, it kind of made sense. His comment, the, the question was uh, about Billy and Steve, you know, how they were shown. And Todd says, okay, he says, let me ask you a question. He says, if I have a script to a movie and I make 11 copies of it and I hand it to 11 different people and say, here, go make this movie. What do you suppose you're going to see? Everybody was just kind of sitting there. And Todd says, do you think you're going to see 11 of the exact same movies? Or do you think you're going to see 11 different movies? And somebody spoke up and says, well, you're probably going to see 11 different movies. And Todd says, well, of course you are. Everybody's going to put their own spin on it, even though they have the script. And Todd point blank said that that wasn't a documentary. That was a movie. Yeah. He said that the two guys that made that had a story that they wanted to tell and they edited it to make their story be the way they wanted it to be. Yeah. And they had to have a hero and they had to have a villain and they made Billy the villain in that film yeah. and that he really isn't a villain. And I don't know if some of the people believed him or not, but I, I agree with him. I, especially, you know, what I've went through with our doc. I mean, they had enough footage on me and Dwayne. They could have made both of us the hero. They could have made, you know, both of us the bad guy, or they could have reversed roles. They could have got really creative with the editing. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the editing. Um, Dwayne, maybe not quite so much, but okay. yep. uh, they picked some, the first time some, we watched it. I think Dwayne watched a different film than us, but yeah. now that he's gotten a little more public feedback on it, I think he's a little bit happier with it maybe, but I think it really that'll... shows the energy and his personality. And the thing that I love most about the movie, um, and this is total contrast to King of Kong is the moment when Dwayne says, that he'll gladly step down, you know, because of the, the, the issue with the 6502 or 6205, I can't remember whatever the CPU was, uh, mm -hmm. that was overclocking his machine, uh, right. and allowing him the, the, the great advantage and Walter alludes to this in the film is that the player doesn't have as much invested into the game. By the time he finishes, he, he's still fresh and, you know, another five hours or whatever, or another 10 hours or whatever he gained out of that, uh, is huge, you know, for for doing that score. So, but I was just really impressed that Dwayne was like, you know what, there's a problem with the board. I'm taking my score down. I'll throw a couple things at you to consider. I think Dwayne had the best of intention. I think he did the right thing, and I I think he did it because he wanted to do it. Some people, there's been a few people that say, well, he got caught. That the guys caught him, and that's why he did it. Well, he didn't know. How, how would you know? Right. Dwayne got the score and he came to my house and we watched the rollover. We watched his VHS tape of it. I didn't notice it. Yeah. 
I, I've played more screens on that game than anybody probably has ever played that game. And it didn't jump out at me until they showed us the side by side. So, so that was pretty interesting. Um, and then the other thing with Dwayne, he's, he's been gaming forever. His, his gaming is important to him. He takes it seriously. He's never going to take a shortcut intentionally. I don't think he cheated. There's a few people, one or two, that I've heard say, oh, yeah, yeah, I think he cheated. He got caught and he took it down. And I said, nah, whatever. You don't know Dwayne. I said, you don't know how he feels about his scores. I said, he wouldn't do that. I don't think he'd ever do that. Because he takes a lot of pride in his stuff. And you really can't take pride in taking a shortcut. Right. You know? So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool the way he did that. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's looking to hopefully hear in the next couple of weeks, he's wanting to come down to my house and play my machine and go for it again. And I said, Sweet. Hey, my door's open. You've been here before. Whenever you want to ready to throw <laughs> down and do it again, get over here. Yeah. Question for you, Tim. Uh, do you think, uh, 2 billion is a possibility on Nibbler? Well, when I was younger and crazier, I had a bucket list and the first thing on the bucket list is as far as Nibbler went, well, let me back up a minute. When we were younger, there was a contest where, they, they were going to reward $10,000 for anybody that could play 100 hours. So with that idea in my head, I had oh. this bucket list, and I had a billion points being the first thing. And then something I've dealt with ever since then till now, everybody says, oh, you played that game for two days. And I always say, no, I, I played it for 44 hours and 45 minutes. I didn't make it two days. So the first thing was the billion points. The next thing on my list would be 48 hours, which would be two days. Then the next thing would be 50 hours. It's only a couple hours more, but, you know, halfway to that 100, 50 hours. The next thing on that list I had was 72 hours. So I could say, yeah, I played it for three days. And then the next thing on the list would have been 2 billion points. And then the next item after that was 96 hours, which was four days. And then the last item was 100 hours, which we thought we could do. But the difference between then and now, there's been a Qbert player in the last few years, uh, out east george lutz he played uh was it in the 90s he played i know he played cuba but i can't remember how many hours i was like it's like 92 hours but the difference between what he did and i don't mean this to cut him down in any way it's not my intention but when we envisioned playing for 100 hours as a kid when we were talking about that we were talking about staying awake for 100 hours playing a game by being awake for 100 hours Cubert lets you amass so many lives, you can have thousands of them. You can actually take naps. You can take like an hour to a two-hour nap in the middle of the game while your lives are dying and the game continues. So you can build up enough lives. You can actually go to sleep for a while and your game keeps going. So we never considered that as kids. And I mean, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from him. It would have been cool to see 100 hours hit no matter how it was hit. But if somebody hits 100 hours sleeping and somebody hits 100 hours not sleeping the not sleeping one's going to have way more weight in my eyes. But yeah, we thought about stuff like that when we were younger. And then now we're a little bit older or, or a lot older. And we realize, man, that's, that's crazy talk. Yeah. So one question for you, Tina, in the film, I see you as sort of the greatest motivator and supporter of Tim. So that's pretty cool. Can you share what it's like to have someone who's got your back on any given day, Tim and Tina, do you have any comments? Does Tim have your back too? I'll, I'll start off by saying what I, what I told you when I was asked to be on the show was, uh, do you want to have Tina on here too? Because I try to get her into everything because without her, we wouldn't be talking right now because the movie wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have got the score. You might not have ever, never heard of me without the movie because you know, a lot of people didn't know what I did as a kid. So without her, 
none of this happens, plain and simple, without her support, without her love. And even, even if she wasn't there to encourage me and to help me, just to not obstruct me. Because a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of wives are going to go, you're not putting that in my living room. Are you stupid? You're not playing that all weekend. You know, a lot of people <laughs> wouldn't be nearly as supportive. So without her, none of this happens. So, yeah, she's got my back big time. Tina? Um, he had so many different attempts. Um, Easter, Labor Day. Um, I could go on and on and on. And um, for the ones that, you know, have watched the movie, um, the last one, you know, I just, I had decided that there had been so many different attempts and there had been so many different people here. And I just, I had said in the doc that I wanted to give him every opportunity possible that we had just decided this time that, you know, there wasn't going to be anybody here. And he just, you know, he thought I was crazy when I said, you know, that I was going to be the one that was going to stay up with him and, oh, you're going to be asleep within a couple hours. I'm going to look over and you're going to be zonked down on the couch. And, and I stayed up the whole entire time with no caffeine, no coffee, no five-hour energy. I don't drink soda at all. I haven't had a soda in six years. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I stayed up the whole entire time. Awesome. And I think I was more happy to see him get it than he was. <laughs> I could, I was I just kind of relieved. Finally, finally I'm done. I'd, I'd seen it before. She hadn't, you know, and the guys doing the doc, they hadn't, and they were, they were waiting to get their Hollywood ending. You know, they were, they were, I don't know that they were rooting for me specifically, but they, they hadn't finished the doc because they really didn't have the end to the story. Like they wanted to tell it. And I think they waited, you know, they could have went with an alternate ending and ended it sooner. And they probably should have, <laughs> but it wasn't the story that they wanted to tell. But yeah. Her, her dedication in that last game, the irony here for me is both, both times I got the billion was on my seventh try back in the eighties. It took me seven marathons. And in the modern day, it took me seven marathons. And for her, she went through all those seven ones. And, you know, from 2007 to 2011, she was there for every one of them, every minute of every game, although she was asleep through some of them. The first <laughs> six marathons, she, you know, she went to sleep. She never stayed up more than 20 hours. So when she said, nobody's going to be in the house and she's going to stay awake with me the whole time, I was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm going to be hearing you snore <laughs> after about 20 hours. Because like she said, I knew she didn't, we, we didn't drink coffee yet. We hadn't started drinking coffee. I didn't start till after that. And I just never cared for it. And she didn't, you know, no, no energy shots, no, nothing, no coffee. Is so it's delicious. just willpower. <laughs> just absolutely, it is now. <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, she, it was just willpower. She willed it to happen. I got it. Was amazing. Uh, I have a clip to roll from the movie and then Mark has a question, a follow-up question. Yes. Yeah. Let me just spin up this, this little clip. You might recognize it. What's the best part of your cereal in the morning? What's the best part? <laughs> Drinking the milk after the cereal, right? Yeah. Everybody loves the milk after the cereal. But why not make cereal milk? There you go. You know, make it taste like Fruit Loops or Cocoa Pebbles. And just sell them quarts of milk, right? Cereal milk. People buy it up, man. <laughs> buy it up, right? I know I would. I love cereal milk. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, my question is, 
First, it's a two-parter. Who was cereal milk guy? And do you agree that people would buy up cereal milk? (laughs) Cereal milk guy is a friend of ours. His name is Casey. And he and his wife, Nancy, showed up at one of our attempts, his attempt, I believe it was Easter. And he just, he came in, he started talking about cereal milk. And, you know, out of everything in the dock, people seem to gravitate towards that particular part in the dock. They just, they're like, cereal milk, cereal milk. And and they're just... They go crazy over that that part in the dock. And it's pretty. Fu- I totally forgotten about it until Mark reminded me. With the, like I you- backed it up and listened to it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought the channel had changed to some other show. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, as far as I know, there's no such thing as cereal milk. But yeah, I would probably buy it. There is, however, some ice cream that. Is made with that same idea. You can buy like Fruity Pebble ice cream, and I don't remember the different ones we saw. And all I could think of was, we got to show this to Casey. They stole his idea. <laughs> and awesome. uh, so when we had the Atomwa premiere, when they, they showed the film for in my hometown of Atomwa the very first time, we invited Casey and Nancy down to the film. And Tim and Andy were there. They came in from California and they were there for it. And they opened the, the box of the DVDs. That was the first time that DVDs were available to anybody, and they had a bunch of the movie posters there. So all the people that were there, you know, maybe not all of them, but a lot of people were coming up, you know, wanting the, the DVD signed or the movie poster signed or whatever. So I ended up grabbing Casey, and I said, here, man, you got to start signing some of this. He's looking at me like, me? Why would I sign? I said, you're in it. You're cereal milk, man. Get busy. Start signing. <laughs> he just he looked dumbfounded, but he, he did. We got him signing stuff. It was a lot of fun. That'd be a gray t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> cereal yeah, milk. <laughs> Who doesn't want cereal milk? I hadn't thought about that as a shirt yet. That's a great idea. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> you might see one now. Awesome. I'll buy it. Okay, my last question is, uh, what benefits do you get as a star in a documentary like this? Do, like, Are there res- residuals or... Well, I got a nibbler machine. Oh, that's a pretty good payment. <laughs> we, we've gotten to travel. Um, Several times. Yeah, to places that we probably wouldn't have gotten the chance to. We've, we've gotten to meet people that we probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet. Tim and Andy, for instance, the, you know, the guys that did the documentary. Dwayne, you know, I... <laughs> Like I said, if you you ever get the chance to talk to that guy, by all means, take (laughs) take the opportunity to talk to him. Maybe we'll have Tim on with Dwayne so we can have a little back and forth. Oh, that'd be funny. Oh, that'd be fun. And Tinia. Yeah. Yes. Because he is, he's amazing to talk to. Tomasaki, he's just... Tom's great. He'd be a good one to get on to. He's the guy that started it all. Ooh, you know what? I I just thought of this. Do do you know Buffett personally? How did did Buffett get into this movie? Um, We went out to MAGFest. We were out there for MAGFest 2009. And I don't know who Tim and Andy had made arrangements with, but they told Dwayne and I that we were supposed to pull our boards and pull our control panels and bring our our joysticks and our boards and there'd be machines there for us. So, you know, we did, we, we pulled what they told us and we, we brought them with us and we get there and whoever they had made the arrangements with never showed up. Buffett was there and he had machines at the event and I, what was it? Game room deals in Manassas, I think is what they showed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know where they got them from. We were, we went upstairs and went to sleep. 
<laughs> they went out and bought, they went out and rented a truck and went out and drove half the night and went and bought cabs. And yeah, it was crazy. That was the first time we'd ever met him. And we lost contact. I didn't know how to contact him. And of, of all things, like you were talking about earlier, we ran into each other on Clove here recently. So we've been shooting emails back and forth and been in contact again, which has been a lot of fun. Nice. But to, to answer the question from my side, um, the residuals and stuff, we've not made a dime off this. We've we've gotten no money whatsoever. I'm not complaining. When when we started this, like I said, it was supposed to be a 10, 15 minute straight to YouTube video, which was the releases that we signed, but that's not what they were ordered. They were just like a generic, you have our permission to use the video, blah, blah, blah. We never expected it to turn into this. If somewhere down the line we got some mail and had some check in the mail, that'd be awesome. If if we don't, hey, life goes on too. Well, here at Arcade Radio, we make lots of money. (laughs) We just roll around in it. I'm swimming in it right now. I changed jobs and uh, they came to work and they filmed at my new job. One of the first questions, well, how much money are you getting? How much money? How much money? And I'm like, nothing. They're like, well, why are you letting them do it? And I'm like, okay. I said, how many people in their lifetimes had a story that somebody felt compelled enough to make a movie about? And I use the term movie. It's a documentary, but it's a movie too. I mean, it's not purely a documentary because there was, there's some stuff that they kind of planned and help arrange even a little bit, Yeah, you know, like, like getting us to some of the events that didn't happen organically because we couldn't afford to do it. So like Tina said, we got to fly a couple of times. We flew out to MAGFest out in Alexandria, Virginia in 2009. And then when the film opened the very first time it was shown publicly, they flew us down to Austin, Texas, so we could be there for the premiere down there at Fantastic Fest. So between those two things, and then uh, Tina and I, we we went out to Omaha for the the Omaha Film Festival. We went up to Minneapolis to the Twin Cities for the 2015 Twin Cities Film Festival when it was up there. Had it open in our hometown, my hometown, in Ottumwa. So through all this, all the new people that we've met and and reconnected with and just just had a lot of fun, you know, people we would have never met, people that would never have known my story. So a lot of that stuff you can't put a price on. You know, here here I have a nibbler machine that I hadn't seen one for, you know, two decades. And I've got (laughs) it in my living room again. That's so exciting. Plus all the old footage that they got for the doc. I mean, they had footage of my mom that I'd never seen. Oh, that's got to be awesome. It it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I watched the film because my mom died in 99. So here I hadn't heard her voice for 16 years. And here I'm hearing her voice and I'm seeing video of her, you know, from when she was much younger back in the 80s, stuff I had never seen. Wow. And ha- and how they, that that's how into the story they were. They left no stone unturned. They found Enrico Zanetti over in Italy, which nobody else knew how to find this guy. <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that off. That was incredible. That was funny. Um, that was actually yeah, a really just, cool. They, they really got into it. And I think they did a great job with it. I think that they should give that guy a, a spot on the Twin Galaxy site. They put him in there. He's, oh, a, he's on the scoreboard. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. Well, that's right. I forgot. I've he always... did get a card, and they added him to the site. So Yeah, yeah he's that's on so awesome. Happy ending. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. So tell us where we can buy Man vs. Snake. Man vs. Snake is available on DVD, and I don't know how limited, but Tim and Andy have told me it's a very limited production Blu-ray hmm. at com. Sweet. And then I have two final questions for you guys. Tim, what's your favorite thing about Tina? And Tina, what's your favorite thing about Tim? My favorite thing about Tina is she's not just my wife. She's my best friend. Um, I've got a Bluetooth headset. When I drive to work and I drive home from work and while I'm at work on lunch, we're talking. 
We talk all the way to work. We talk all through our lunch break. We talk all the way home. We talk when we get home. And one of my friends, Sean, he's actually in the film. He's the guy that worked at Easy Sales and Rentals that was delivering the machine. Son of a bitch when it hit the, the door coming in. <laughs> he says, how the hell do you guys talk that much? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you talk on the way to work. You talk at work. You talk on the way home. When you get home, how in the hell do you have anything to talk about? And I said, we just never seem to have enough time to finish talking. I said, she's my best friend. I just, I want to talk to her all the time. You know, I, I want to be with her all the time. That's my favorite thing. It, cool. She completes me. Now it's you, Goals. Tina. You're up, Tina. Wow. <laughs> follow that. How do you, how do you follow up to that? <laughs> um, uh-huh, I win. <laughs> again. You know I mean? Again. <laughs> it's the Dr. Mario thing all over again. <laughs> I don't like to lose. What can I say? It's like, uh, I just beat the Kobayashi Maru, you know? Oh my gosh. I was just going to say that's Captain Kirk right there. <laughs> I don't believe yeah, in the no win scenario. <laughs> it's like he said, you know, he's, he is my best friend. He's the other half of my heart. I, I miss him when he's not around. There's been times when he's gone away for work and gone for, you know, a week at a time. And I'm sitting in the living room with my computer next to me with my camera. And he's sitting in the hotel with his computer, with his camera. And we're both video chatting back and forth for, <laughs> you know, hours and hours on end until it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And he's like, okay, honey, I'm tired. I got to get up in the morning. I got to go to bed. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Just, we miss each other when we're not together. And I just got to say, it's been a pleasure to have both of you on the show. What a, what a, what a great thing to hear your story. And, you know, having seen, you know, man versus snake and then see how you guys work together and how you just, you play off each other really well. And, oh, I can, it's just, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's I just great. want to say You that. guys rock. <laughs> well, thanks for having us. It was fun. Yeah. So, um, that my friends is the end of the show. Thanks for, uh, listen in again one uh, you know it's a double r's arcade radio please join the conversation at any time arcaderadio.com uh you can email us react at arcaderadio.com or call that game line 612-548-game or 4263 follow us on facebook subscribe to us on youtube itunes google play or soundcloud and uh we'll see you next time on the arcade radio podcast This is where we dance. This is where we get down. <laughs> I'm dancing like a fool. Wild thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right now, I have my hair up like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> I, I took my belt off. <laughs> Wait, we were supposed to wear clothes? <laughs> Nobody told me that. I told you to get dressed. (laughs) Oh, that's what you meant. Okay. And and Dan is silent. I I just got uh, kicked off or I was muted the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Did you just finally unmute him? That's the first time I've heard him say anything. This is my time now, guys. (laughs) Now that the show is over. Uh Oh. (laughs) Oh, poor Dan. Force is running out.
<laughs> this is going to be a great show. I can tell you right now. Oh my God. Oh dear Lord. Well, let me just tell you, you're going to have like four, four or five minutes to take a pee break. So if you've laughed yourself into a pee break, now would be the time. <laughs> okay. Oh if I go back my- and listen to this show next week and I'm muted throughout the whole thing, I'm going to be <laughs> Dan, you're going to have to get a little closer to Mike, too, because you're way quieter than our guest. I am? Yeah. You should be like... Oh, don't tell him that. He'll be using his oh, deep hi, voice again. There he goes. I'm all, you know, real close. Real close to the mic. That's good. I can feel your lips, Dan. Oh, yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, go on. Apparently, Dan doesn't have duct tape. <laughs> okay, we're streaming now, just so you know. Cool. You know, because that's how we roll. Oh, God. <laughs>